Praise the Lord. Amen. Something real. Amen. All right. I want to continue that prayer with y'all, man. I want, to, I want the first thing that we do together also to be prayer as well. So, so we can just continue that prayer, Father. We just, we just lift up the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. Father God, we just praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Lord God, we're thankful, Lord God, that we're able to even approach you, Lord God, and recognize the big old God who made the whole world, Lord God, who created time and space, Lord God, cares about us. Lord God, that you created us, Lord God, for your glory, Lord God. Lord God, and, and that the will of God is to receive the Son who was sent, Jesus Christ, our King, our, our Lord, our Savior, the one who, who, who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried, all right, who was buried and three days later rose again, Lord God. We, we believe that testimony, Lord God, who ascended into heaven, Lord God, who sent us the Holy Spirit, Lord God, who is, who is, who is interceding, Lord God, on our behalf before the Father, Lord God, who is going to come back and return, Lord God, and, and make all things new for his glory. Lord God, we just give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a good place for an amen. Right on, man. <laughs> well, welcome to the church and welcome to 2021. Right? Yeah. All right. So I got a question. Now what? <laughs> Right? What's next? What's next? All right. Thank you. All right. So check this out, man. I don't want to burst anybody's, you know, New Year's resolution bubbles and stuff. Knock it out. Do your thing. However you want to roll with that. That's all good. I'm, I'm down with all that. Right on. But I mean, for me, 2021 is merely the day after 2020. Sorry. You know what I mean? But it is. And now we're three days after, right? You know what I mean? And, 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 and you know what? And I get it, right? The 2020, man, we lost, we lost some stuff. We lost some people, man. We lost, we lost a lot and we hurt a lot. But I got a question too, man. I got a lot of questions actually, man. And, and, and did, did, did you gain anything? All right, over, over, over the last year, did you, did you gain anything? Any new perspectives? Any new insight, any, any new wisdom, man? Did you, did, you, did you gain anything that might be helpful, not just for yourself, but for people around you? Or, or are you entering 2021 just a little more angry? <laughs> All right? A little more uh, upset, a little more disappointed, a little more confused, a little less hopeful. You see, because all of that is entirely up to you. It's entirely up to you, man. You know, what, what I learned this last year is, is, is to be a little slower in speaking, to speak. A little slower to speak, a lot quicker to listen, a lot quicker to learn, a lot quicker to, 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 to understand 
a lot quicker to think and consider things, a lot quicker to pray and much quicker to obey, amen? Now, if I've learned anything, man, you know, over this past year, it has been, it has been to slow down, all right, what comes out of here, right? And, 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 and be quicker to receive what, what he wants to give me from his mouth, from his heart. You know, that, that's, that's where the ball left, was left in my court this week. And, I mean, last year. And uh, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I heard a lot of voices all year trying to tell you what God was doing through all this. And do I sound like I'm in a bottle right now? Is that just me? Is that me? That's just kind of weird. Okay, anyways, um, it's just, you know, you know, all these different voices you know, just saying, oh, here's what God's doing, and here's what he's going to do, and, here's what, and they're real, real quick to speak, real, real quick to kind of lash out at this people group or this people group, and, and, you know, here's what God's doing, and they were wrong a lot. A lot of people were wrong. I'm not pointing fingers, man. I'm not putting people down. I'm just saying what I learned was to slow down my lips, right, and to listen, all right, to, 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 to humbly all right, engage in what God is doing all right, and stay as close to God as I possibly can. I learned that, man, and, I, and I'm still learning that. I also learned that, if anything, we as the people of God, no matter what, we need to, we need to do the same, man. We need to, we need to humbly engage all right, in the battle that God's already in for our, for our soul. All right, and, and, and stay as close as possible to God. I was asked this, this, this last week, I was actually asked, all right, uh, by one of the leaders here in the church, I, I was asked how, you know, in the midst of all the chaos, how, you know, how, you know could, could I share how God uh, has blessed me personally? I mean, it was asked to all of our, all of our people on staff and everything, and we, everybody kind of had their thing, man. It was basically, I was asked, how did God bless me in the midst of the, of the chaos of 2020 was the exact quote, question. And I thought, at first I thought, well, this is a really tall order, all right? That's a really tall order because, you know, I know it was a crazy year and I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but you know what? I also know God didn't leave, all right? He didn't leave, man. And it was crazy because, you know, for me, the greatest blessing is to be in Christ with my wife, with my kids, with my grandkids. That is, to me, always the greatest blessing, all right? But, but then, you know, I started also, you know, right next to that, a little bit, you know, after that, but right next to that, and it, it, I thought it was a great blessing to be counted, all right, to be numbered, among those, alongside those, man, who did not think that their life was so dear to themselves that, that, that they couldn't go out in, in, you know, into the community, in the, in, you know, in, into the people, you know, into the lives around them, that they, they didn't count their lives so dear to them, they couldn't go out in the midst of the chaos in, in something we've never experienced in our generation, uh, a global pandemic, all right, in the midst of some extreme social unrest, in the middle of, of a very, very violent volatile campaign, presidential campaign, they still, they still were like no problem going out to serve the hurting, to serve the poor, all right, to serve the broken, to minister to the brokenhearted, all right, even to those who are suffering with immense loss, men and women, to be numbered among you guys, the church, 
Men and women, man, who are, who are given above and beyond of their time. Look, at they have full-time jobs, full-time parents, full-time everything else, students and stuff like that, but yet still manage to create time to get out there and serve the community. Men and women who were given above and beyond of their talents, man, that, that says, wait a second, we realize, you know what, that, 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 that the whole work of the church is not what we do right here on Sunday. This is the icing on the cake. There's a whole cake that needs to be eaten during the week, amen? All right? And these were men and women who says, you know what? I don't know if I can do anything, but I, I, can, I, can, I can sew while they made masks. I can make soup while they cook soup, warm soup. I can, whatever, man. They, the little, maybe things, the talents that they thought were little became huge. And to be able to be numbered among them, all right, to be able to say, yeah, I'm one of those guys, man, is pretty awesome who gave above and beyond of their time, above and beyond of their talents, and even above and beyond of their treasures. We said, I don't have a lot, but here, can we use this to help? And those who had a lot said, I wanna give more than I normally give to help, to help. I thought that was just to be numbered. Just, let me just remind you, man. You know, in Christ, because of you, you made it possible. You, the church, we, the church, made it possible, all right, that, that this, they, they closed the school down, all right? And there was a lot of kids that were dependent on that, on that, on that lunch program. Some of us knew, no, we felt that. All right, but we, you, man, the church made it possible to say, look, we're gonna make sure these kids get their lunches still. And we set it up, man, and we started right when the, when the pandemic hit and it was hot and everybody was afraid to go outside, man. So you guys got out there. You were out there in the snow handing out food last winter to these kids and these families so they could have lunch that day. Every day of the week. That was insane. All right? And you, you, made it, you made sure because I don't know what the heck somebody lost. In, uh, somebody's walking around with that, you know, I, Anyways, all right, I hope they're, they're looking at everything all crooked right now. Hey, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I forgot. I should have had a V8. Anyways, so, so uh, um, you made it possible because there was, there was a bunch of elderly in our community that needed to get out, but were afraid to get out because they were the most at-risk, you know, uh, uh, people group. And they needed to get out and get their medicine. And they needed to get out and get groceries. And there were teams, man, that were organized that said, we'll do it. And they did it, knocked it out of the park, man, praise the Lord. Medical staff were short, falling short on masks, over four, almost 5,000 masks we made, all right? I, you know, it was amazing. Not all to medical staff, but a lot of medical staff needed those. And some of us even had, started donating those really, really, you know, coveted N95s. You know what I mean? We started, hey, I got, you know, just the guys in the alley behind Circle K, hey, look what I got. You know what I mean? You know, some N95s. You know what I mean? It was just making it happen. It made it possible for families to get food. When the shelves were starting to go bare, we handed over two, I'm close to 200,000 pounds of food. Dude, that is a lot of food. You're like, I'm not a dude, I'm totally a chick. Dudes and chicks, that was a lot of food, all right? 
Made it possible for parents to get the essentials they needed for their babies. Diaper, you know, I don't remember, but you know, uh, wipes, even just baby wipes were just, people were just random, just, just stripping the shelves and they didn't even have babies. But we went out and found baby wipes, man, to give to babies, you guys. You saw them, you were, you were, you were like, you know, I'm not, we're not scared, all right, but we're also not foolish. But we went out to serve in the midst of all of this, man. People walking down the street, a cold street, were able to pull into a building and get some hot soup. Praise the Lord. And then when we had to close the doors for about, I don't know, it was about five months, just out of responsibility, not because we were forced to. We're not like, hey, man, we're the church, and then we can tell us what to do. You know, we're going to be responsible, out of responsibility, man, and trying to just minister to, to people, man, and just trying to make it a little bit safer. The gospel was not shut down. We, we, you guys made it possible to get the equipment that we needed, all right? And we got the word out. For five months, man, it was just, whoop, and it still is now, praise the Lord. You're watching at home. Many of you are still trying to trip and on at home, and you're still there. You're watching. You're involved in all this. And not only here in the White Mountains, dude, we got people checking in all over the world. It's insane. I watched one of my videos. I'm like, what are these people, crazy? <laughs> I gotta, gotta have wave things. This guy just running, you know, like, come on. Right? It's insane. You guys counted the cost. And you still went out to match the cries of a community and of, you know, even a world with the resources and hope of the church. Praise the Lord, man. Ha. Praise the Lord. So what, 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 about, what about this year, man? What about this year? What about, what, what, what about now? What's, What's next? Like I asked you, what's next, man? What you, you know, that's my question. What are we going to do next? You know, how are you going to go about this next year? How should we approach a new year that, you know, eh, it's a new year. It's just a couple of days later, but, you know, we, everybody, the whole world is looking at a brand new year, you know, so we're not going to ignore it. I believe in this perfect timing as we're just been going through this, 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 this book of First Peter, and we are at the last, second to the last, next week we're gonna finish this series out. But the scripture that is provided is, is perfect for what we're talking about today. Because I believe Peter gives some great advice in his closing remarks in this last chapter of First Peter, uh, chapter five. If you have a Bible, you wanna open up your app, we'll have it up here. I think he gives us some very, very good advice in, in, in three, three, little, three little parts. He reminds us that we need to stay humble. We need to stay engaged. And we need to stay close. We need to stay humble. We need to stay engaged. And we need to stay close. Let's pray. Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the honor. And we give you the glory, Lord God. Thank you for your word, and um, we just give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. We uh, left off uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last week, um, when we were talking about uh, leadership in the church, 
And we're talking about what it looks like, you know, to be a leader, and it's basically summed up in one word, humility. Uh, It was really, really great. And Peter continues that thought as he starts to speak to the church in 1 Peter chapter 5, Verse five, the second half of that verse, because you know, in, in the you know, it wasn't until I forget the the the, the year, fifteen hundreds, I believe it was. I, I may be wrong on that. Where actual uh, verses and chapters and stuff were added to the scriptures, and so there's this break in the middle of this quote unquote verse um, that actually starts this new section. So in First Peter chapter five, probably didn't need to say all that. Verse five. Uh, the second half, he begins, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. He begins by reminding us, as we move forward, he's closing this letter to the church. And he says, look, man, I'm getting ready, let me just kind of sum this all up, but we just remember reminding you, you need to stay humble. You need to stay humble before God and before men. He goes, let me begin with you guys. He goes, you need to stay humble. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He tells us this, 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 this term to be clothed is literally, though it was in, in original language, was it was a term that was used that represents the lowest person in the house to put on their serving apron to go and serve. So he says, basically, clothe yourselves like that. I can, I'll illustrate it for you. There, were, there was a few, four, 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 uh, four people, man, uh, guys and girls that, that had graduated the same year from college and they were great friends in college. After, after graduation, they kind of went their separate ways and, and started working on you know, their, their careers and just kind of building a great life, you know, really, really doing great and stuff like that, knocking out of the park. A few years later, they came back and they all met you know, back at the, their old uh, college hometown there and they were hanging out and they were having dinner and they were talking. And uh, every time they were telling stories of college, they kept bringing up this professor who was just basically their favorite professor in college. You always had these great, you know, just kind of uh, little uh, word pictures and metaphors and analogies. And they were like, yeah, he really just changed my life. They said, yeah. And then one of them says, you know, he's still here. He still lives in town. You know, well, let's go visit him. And so they did. They left dinner and they went that evening uh, over to this professor's house. They surprised him. He was so happy to see them and greeted them in the house. They came in and they started hanging out and he started asking them about their lives and they started sharing their success stories and how, how awesome things were, you know, and how great life was and how, you know, the things that they've accumulated and things, how things were going in their life, you know, and they were really good stories. But then they started talking about their struggles and, and basically, uh, you know, not only the struggles that they were suffering, but the people around them and the people closest to them and how they were, they didn't know how to help them. Them. And every time they tried to help them and try to you know, figure life out for themselves, they kept coming up empty. To which the professor says, you know what? Who wants hot chocolate? Because that's the great, that's a great, you know, part for an uh, area of a conversation, right? For, for, for hot chocolate, right? Because hot chocolate makes everything better, right? And they looked at him kind of strange, but then they kind of looked at each other and they said, yeah, you know, who wants some hot chocolate? And so, so the, the professor made some hot chocolate, right? And, and, and there was only four students, but he put out six cups. He made this hot chocolate and he poured, he filled each cup, all right? And as he was filling the cups, all right, he was, he was looking at their faces as he was filling the cups, right? And, and he was recognizing, he was watching them as each one was looking at the cup that they wanted to use. You ever do that? 
You ever do that? People are, people are, you know, you're looking at them. They're all different cups. You're like, I totally want that cup. You know, I hope nobody gets that cup. I'm going to move real fast. I'm just going to grab that cup. It's going to look crazy, but you know what? I'm getting that cup. All right. And was, they, yeah, he was watching them. All right. Look at the cups. And sure enough, as they filled, they kind of rushed. And each of them knew what cup they wanted. And they all grabbed their cup. And as they started drinking, he says, I want to share with you something. He says, I was watching as I was pouring the hot chocolate. Each of you were looking for your cup, at your cup. One of you saw a cup that was going to give you more, all right? And you went for that cup of abundance. Another one of you saw this cup that just looked strong. And you, and you went for that cup of strength. Uh, one of you thought, saw this cup and you thought, that's so elegant looking. All right, and you went for that, just that elegance, and you grabbed that cup, and you pulled the finger out and did all that. There's another one you saw the cup that just kind of grabbed the tension, all right, because it was just, it was just the tension-grabbing color, and you just grabbed it. Because I noticed none of you grabbed one of the more simple cups. Because I wonder if this is maybe a key component to your struggling and your problems and how you're coming up empty. You see, because the cup did not change the hot chocolate at all. In the cup is hot chocolate. The same hot chocolate that's in this cup is in this cup as well. It didn't change it. In some cases, it might have made it more expensive because of the cup. Or maybe you got more because it's abundance. Or you got more people wanting what you got. Whatever the case may be, it goes, I think this might be a source of your problems. Because at the end of the day, the cup, you're going to empty it. It's going to be empty. Regardless of what the cup looks like. He said, I just want to show you that, 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 that pride, Right? An ego can take your attention away from the life that is in the cup. He says, your life is not the cup, all right? Your life is what, you know, maybe the cup might help with your life. It might contain some life, all right? But it is not the essence of your life. Too many of us, he says, we, we, we just focus on the cup and we forget about the life that is inside of it. He says, only humbleness makes room for life. Paul says, I want you to clothe yourself with humility. Now, we can get carried away and grab the humble cup and say, did you see that? I'm pretty humble. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm humble. No, 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 no. The wrong idea. He's talking on a personal level. Pride always takes away. You see, pride and humility cannot coexist. Pride will always be louder than humility. And pride will always take more from you than you even thought of giving. He says, if you approach this the way, basically the way God is telling us to approach this is we see God is what needs to contain our life, not the cups that we create. Are you, are you, are you following me? Okay, good. Peter says this, he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
And at the proper time, God will exalt you is what he says. He says, humble yourselves before God and before men. Humble yourselves before God and before men. And you're like, how do I do that? Well, let's just take a look on how not to do that. Jesus gives two examples. One example, he says, you know, he says, there's, you know, there was two guys that walked into a place of worship, right? Two guys walked. One was this religious, you know, uh, Pharisee guy, totally religious, totally. He walked right up to the front of the, of, 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 the, uh, of, of the altar before God and just started just talking to God. While another guy was a tax collector, a total sinner, kind of uh, basically made his money off cheating people on their taxes and stuff like that. And um, uh, nothing like tax collectors today. Anyways, and he was sitting in the back, all right? No, I'm serious, all right? It was just, it was a different culture back then, all right? And, and, and so this, this Pharisee walks up to the front and he says, hey, God. And he says, and Jesus says, he, 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 he prayed basically to himself. I'm so glad that you have made me the way I am. All right, I do this great thing and this great thing and this religious activity um, without missing. I'm in church every week. I pray a lot, Bible studies, all that good stuff. And he goes, I thank you that you have not made me like that guy. Well, the guy, well, that guy, before God, wouldn't even look up. He said he just basically stayed on his knees in the back of, the, in the back of this place of worship. And he was just beaten on his chest, afraid to look up and say, God, please have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I don't even deserve to be next to you. Jesus said, there's only one of those guys that went home justified before God. Can you guess which one? He says, humble yourself before God and before men. He tells another story. Because as he was, he was walking out, I believe it was a synagogue, he was watching all these important people take the best seats, immediately take the best seats in the house. All right? And left the floor all right, to the peasants and whatnot. And Jesus told this parable. He says, you know, check us out. There was a guy that was in, he goes, he goes, oh, he says, take good care, take, take care. All right, when you're invited to a wedding, not to take the, 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 the seat that is like the best seat in the house, just in case the, 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 you know, the, the, the master of the wedding basically comes up and says, hey, wait, I'm sorry, man. We're the person that that seat was reserved for and says, look at, I'm sorry, that's not your seat. That's his seat. Um, you're gonna have to get up and like, you know. He says, he says, and then you have to get up and walk in front of everybody to the back of the room where nobody's, you know, and, and you're just kind of shamed in front of everybody. He says, rather than that, he says, instead, why don't you take the seat in the back? I'm not referencing our building here at all. This is Jesus. He says, and then let the person come up and says, hey, what are you doing back here? Come up, come up, come up close. Sit with me. Jesus says, look it, man, clothe yourselves before God. Humble yourselves, clothe yourselves with humility before, before men, men and women, mankind. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time, he will exalt you. Charles Spurgeon tells us this. I'll put this quote up there. He says, if you are willing to be nothing, God will make something of you. The way to the top of the ladder is at the lowest rung. In fact, in the church of God, the way up is to go down. 
But he that is ambitious to be at the top will find himself before long at the bottom. We used to have a saying back in the day, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just an old saying back in the day. And I believe that's kind of the point here, man. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Are you willing to lift others higher than you? Are you willing to allow others shine brighter than, than maybe you shine? I, I love it when, when we have other pastors who preach and other teachers who teach. You know, I've heard people, you know, uh, belly ache. You know what, man, this is amazing. I am hoping that these other pastors, these other teachers will not only teach as good as me, but teach better than me. And I'm already sure they can. Are you willing? Are you, are you willing to allow better others to be stronger and higher than you? Are you even willing to help strengthen them and, and, and then lift them up so that they can? Jesus himself said, you know what? He told his disciples, you know, you see me do all these great things. You're going to do greater things than me. And so Peter says, you know what? And he's continuing the thought of this pathway to humility. He says, remember, we need to stay humble. We need to stay engaged and we need to stay close. He's talking continually on staying humble because this is a big deal. He spends a lot of time here because this is a big deal. Casting all, verse seven, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How does that, you know, how is that a pathway to, to, to humility? Basically, he's saying, look at man, throw, he doesn't say lay aside all all your, your anxieties, lay aside all your cares. He's saying, cast them, throw them. He's, he's actually saying, you know, take your anxieties, take your concerns, take all these burdens and tell God, go long, man, because this is gonna go. And then just, and woof, and just throw it downfield, man, because you get it away. God is saying, look at, throw it, man, throw it. What? All these things that you're constantly trying to control, all these things that you're losing control of, all these things that you know you have no control of. Stop telling God, I got this, because you ain't got this. Amen? God does not want to hear you say, hey, man, I got this, because then he's going to let you got this. And I'm telling you, you don't want to got this. You just don't want to got this. I ain't got this, Lord. I don't got this. Literally, he's telling us to throw with force these concerns, these burdens that we're worrying about so that it'll give you breathing room, man, breathing room to help others, to help other people. When I'm closed in by all my anxieties, all my burdens, all my concerns, I don't have any breathing room for myself, let alone to... Help somebody else out. God says, cast these all on me, man. Throw them. Create breathing room. All right, to help others. And I've told you before, man, all this worrying, all right, this, this worrying, man, it's just wasted imagination. It's what it is. Uh, when people recognize that you're trusting authentically, genuinely, sincerely trusting in God with all these crazinesses going on in your life. They want to know why you're not tripping like them. And you get to help them. You get to love them. 
You get to serve them. We need to stay humble before God and before men. And we also need to stay engaged. There is a war raging around you right now. There's a war, man. You don't, I don't know. I've mentioned this before and I'll continue, man, because this is all, this, this is Real deal. There's a war raging around you for your soul, for the lives of your family, all right? There's just a war raging around you. And if you don't believe that there's a war, or if you're not engaging in the war, it's more than likely you're losing it. You're losing the war. That's why Peter moves into this next section here. He says, this is why you need to, you know, because there's always a fight, there's always a fight that, that we need to be sober-minded. Verse eight, we need to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You need to be sober-minded and watchful. You're like, what does that look like? Check this out. We live in the dang woods, all right? I'm from the city, all right? I've been here 18 years, so I got a little bit, but I'm still sober and watchful anytime I walk out into the woods. Because when I'm out there in the cut, all right, I want somebody else's property, some furry thing with big old fangs and claws, all right? You know what I mean? And so I am walking very, very soberly. I carry stuff, all right, because just in case I've been taught you to make noise, anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, you know, I'm going to do something, but I'm walking around sober and watchful. Just like if you went to my hood, where I'm from, and walked down the street, they're, well, some of them are furry and some of them have claws. Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. But you're going to be sober and watchful. He says, because your enemy, all right, your enemy, the adversary, your ad the one who is against you, the one who is constantly casting accusations against you, is kind of say, see, look, you know, I told you, you know what I mean? You're not, and you never will, and you can't, and you always, you know, and this can Consistently with that language at you. is roaring around, prowling around like a roaring lion. Basically, just is really, really, is really, really loud mouth in your life. Back in the 70s, I don't know if some of you guys were there, we had a saying. There was a saying, Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? Maybe nobody. Anyways, Flip Wilson. He used to have, uh, he used to, I don't know if it was when he was Geraldine or whatever, he used to say, the devil made me do it, all right? He said, there was, there, was, there, was, there was this phrase, the devil made me do it, the devil made me do it. And that caught on to a culture where people started using that as an excuse, the devil made me do it. I'm gonna tell you right now, the devil doesn't make you do nothing. The devil sets the stage, puts this and this and this on stage and goes, look, You're the one that acts it out. If you choose, it's entirely up to you. So I says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, all right, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
A lot of times you see the results of, of being submissive to this demonic influence. And you see it in acts of violence. When, when we just act violently, that's demonically influenced. And, and when hateful words come out, right? And, and when we start belittling others and making them feel small or lying to them or lying about them or self-destructive behaviors and addictions and craziness like that. And, and just maybe, you know, uh, using other people's pain for your pleasure, all right? You know, for emotional pain, mental pain, all this, you know, physical pain even, you know, I mean, just craziness. And then, and then just, and just, you know, even when, when we're, when we're fearing things that we shouldn't be afraid of and, and we're hating things and we're depressed and we're anxiety and there's violent anger. Yes, those are clinical things that are taking place. But I also believe that God has the remedy. But the stage has been set. So for you, it's up to you to Decide what you're going to do, because I believe it's all spiritual. So he tells us, verse 9, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There's always a fight, and you're not the only one fighting. This is why we need one another. There's always a fight. Are you engaged? See, this type of warfare is spiritual. Right? It's spiritual. And 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 this type of spiritual warfare needs to not be a practice. It needs to be a lifestyle. Spiritual warfare literally needs to be a lifestyle. It's not something that you, that, that you do, but it, it is the way you live. Sober, all right? Humble, engaged, close to God. It's the way that you live. Spiritual battles are fought in the spirit and you fight using the spiritual tactics of, of the word of God that are in the word of God. So you have to stay in the word of God. You not only have to stay humble and stay engaged, you have to stay close, you see, some things can be taught in the classroom, but still spiritual warfare, this kind of warfare, it's learned on the battlefield. It's learned walking next to and with Jesus. And we have to stay close. Because he says in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal Glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The same way Jesus was restored and suffered for a little while, horribly for a little while, and he was restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. He will be restored. He's going to make you ready. He's going to confirm you. He's going to make you capable. He's going to strengthen you and make you unmovable. He's going to establish you and make you dependable. Ready, capable, unmovable and dependable. That's the kind of dad I want to be. That's the kind of husband I want to be. That's the kind of man I want to be. What about you? You got to stay humble. You got to stay engaged. It's always a fight. And you got to stay close. Amen. I have this quote by Red Path, and we'll end with this right here. A life, if life in Christ is viewed 
and accepted as hit or miss, it's no wonder that more is missed than hit. If this life in Christ is just kind of recreational, experimental, <laughs> kind of a once in a while, make me I have a yin and yang, you know what I mean? I got crazy this week, I'm gonna have to go and do this for a little while, make me feel better about myself. It's no wonder that more is, if it's hit or miss, it's no wonder, wonder that more is missed than hit. So to him, verse 11, be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what do we do? You stay. Amen? You stay. Stay humble. How? Humble before God, putting God and others first. All right? You stay engaged. All right? Fight back through God's word and through prayer. And then you stay close. How? By praying through God's word. 2021 doesn't know what's coming, right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Right on. Come on.